Welcome to Women Read Scripture. I'm Mariana Richardson. And I'm Christine Thackeray. And I'm Annette Marie Lantos Tilleman Dick. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Christmas on this, at this wonderful episode. And I just want you to know I do love Christmas. I really, really do. I mean, I love the celebration of it. I love the family part of it. I love the symbols. But one of the things that I love the most is the birth of a baby and celebrating the birth of a baby. Now, I've been very blessed in that I have two of my sons that were born right after Christmas. One's on the 27th of December and the other's on the 30th of December. And both of these sons were used a lot the following year as baby Jesus, you know, <laughs> as a little baby Jesus. But I just want you to know, why? I mean, all of us have been mothers of many, many babies. And so my question is, why does the birth of a baby bring you such joy? You know what I loved at Christmas, having a baby at Christmas, were all the beautiful songs about baby Jesus mm -hmm. and the anticipation of this special baby. And every single baby born is special. I agree. And, and that's what we get to. That's nice. I also think that whenever the veils parted, that you feel a special connection to the other side. And so I think both at birth and at death, that if your heart's in tune, you feel a special connection to the Savior and to things spiritual. And so as a baby's born, it's it's more than you. Oh. It's you know a gift from the Lord, and you truly feel that new and precious spirit straight from the Lord. I agree. A couple of my thoughts, too, the reason why... A new baby just brings me such joy is the possibilities. I mean, we talk a lot about the symbolism of a birth, new birth, in terms of baptism, repentance, all of those things. And yet, for me, a new baby is the embodiment of that beautiful symbol mm -hmm. of a new birth, a new beginning, the potential of what can come from that beautiful baby. The other thought that I came to kind of goes along with yours is this idea of family that when a new baby comes into a family, that, you know, your first baby, that's, it's interesting to me how that really is when you feel like you're a family. I mean, yes, when I married my husband, we were a family, but it wasn't until we had that first baby where we really felt like we were a family. And a lot of that was the sacrifice, you know, that comes with having a baby and the sacrifice that you then give in caring for a baby I mean, all of those, that, that sacrifice, that caring, that love that you have really makes you a family. I, I had the most interesting experience when Charity was in Florence, I mentioned to you, and we were staying for a little while in this hotel, that, and there was a bellboy, or, you know, I don't know, but he, he would bring up our bags, and he got to know us, and he realized we had this big family, and he looked at me once, he said, I just can't imagine how you could be so hopeful to have such a big family. He said, here people don't have children in general. I, I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, to me, each baby is like a present full of, you have no idea what's gonna come out of it, though it's amazing to me when you read, I wonder if you, when, when my babies at the morning, usually I do write my journal, and I write my impressions of those children. I do too. It is stunning how they correspond to the grown child, mm -hmm. to the grown person. but. But when he said that, I remember being taken aback and thought, huh, I never really thought of it like that. But babies are a sign of hope, hope that you believe there is something worth bringing them into life for and that you believe that living life, even if it's going to be challenging, is worth, worth it. it. I agree. I also think that as we talk about this family, becoming a part of the family of Christ for me, that's also a symbol of a new baby, that as we, you know, we have brothers and sisters, we, we become part of that family of Christ. And all of these are things that I think as we contemplate Christmas, that we think about some of these symbols that a new baby in, you know, coming into the world would bring along with the fact that this is Jesus Christ. This is the Son of God. This is that special baby that for millennia since the beginning of the world we've been looking forward to and 
you know, so excited to have that as angels, as people who've lived on the earth or are going to live on the earth, have all been waiting expectantly for this incredible miracle that was going to come. So, Annette, I know you're going to be discussing the condescension of God, which enables us to understand about this beautiful baby that we've been looking forward to as angels, as people that have lived on the earth before and those that will live in on the earth after. Well, I, I love, I think that we all have a way of being able to look at Christmas and anticipate this beautiful baby, as you said. I think after immersing ourselves last year in the Old Testament and now studying the New Testament, I can't quite look at it with the same simple delight, let me just say, mm -hmm. because you realize this is the God of the Old Testament. This is Jehovah. This is the God who has taken responsibility for us. The great and overarching who has condescended to take on flesh and blood and to be born as a little child, completely vulnerable to all the weaknesses he knows so well that his creation possesses. And so I, I will say that the more deeply one immerses oneself in scripture, the more astonishing what we celebrate at Christmas becomes. For as our prophets have told us, and I, I'm sorry that I don't, but this has been a, an ongoing theme, and in fact, it, it was the theme at our Easter conference, at the, the spring conference of the, our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that is, without Easter, there is no Christmas. Exactly. Without the Savior who came as a Savior, Jesus, of course, means savior. Savior, it comes from that word in... Um, in Hebrew, um, Yeshua, and without his willingness to die on the cross for us, there would be no Christmas. And so it's all of one. And and I, I think we like to parse it a little bit because <laughs> it's nice to just think of the beautiful baby. Um, I've been thinking about it, and suddenly I was overwhelmed with a lot of thought, and I wrote down what I was thinking. It felt very powerful as I wrote it down. And amazingly, I lost it soon afterwards, completely lost it. And kind of miraculously, I found it. I didn't find it, but my daughter, Gloriana, found it. We had two computer experts trying to do it, but she did. And I want to share it with you, so that's what I'm going to do. Pondering the magnificent truth that God, our creator, chose to come to us as a tiny helpless baby to heal us, save us, teach us what he was like and how we should strive to be by living with us and showing us how he cared for us, suffered for us, was willing to be humiliated at our hands and then be brutally killed as an eternal offering for all our sins should be the most truly awesome experience we ever have. It has the power to change the way we see, do, and understand everything in life. This one astonishing, extraordinary truth transforms the meaning of earthly experience. It turns everything upside down. It translates the worldly way of evaluating life into a whole new language where everything has a different meaning. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are all people reviled, persecuted, and perjured false, falsely because of faithfulness in God, to God. In the face of all trials and injustices, we can rejoice and be exceedingly glad when we turn to the Savior for comfort, direction, insight, healing, and understanding with all our hearts. When we embrace fully the little baby in a manger in Bethlehem, and all that baby represents. We will transform the purpose and content of our life here on earth. As we contemplate the choice of that baby to come to church, I mean to earth, we will see ourselves and others differently. To follow him, the rich will want to give away all they have to help the poor. As they follow 
him, the poor will, wa- will be made rich, liberated by the value and opportunity they have to share their light every day, even in the midst of pain or suffering. As we each follow him more perfectly, the motivation to greed, envy, strife, violence, lying, dishonoring of God, others, or ourselves will fall away. The scriptures are like the Rosetta Stone for our lives here on earth, unlocking a powerful new language of charity, peace, and godliness through which we can communicate love to those all around us. Stronger than any tool offered by search engines or artificial intelligence, sincere prayer and study of the scriptures will enlighten our understanding and give us every tool we need to meet life's challenges and trials with hope and love. Many years ago, I was sitting in a small classroom seminar with Professor Paul Holmes. He was was one of the great experts on C.S. Lewis. He was lamenting the overuse of words like awesome. (laughs) He believed the power of a word like awesome was diminished by overuse. One of the world's foremost experts on the English writer and scholar C.S. Lewis, Professor Holmes agreed with Lewis that such a word should be reserved for the babe in Bethlehem what he had done, and what that meant for each of us. As someone who loves to express awe at many things, Professor Holmes' observation gave me pause. Over the intervening years and after singing with unbridled gusto, Mm -hmm. everything is awesome, everything (laughs) is when you're part of a dream, (laughs) everything is awesome, from the Lego movie, many times with three of my adorable grandchildren, (laughs) Willa, Finn, and Hetty, and feeling the joy that flowed from that affirmation makes me think of the insight in Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Everything is awesome. When we see everything as part of God's plan, things may be unfolding in ways we cannot always understand. That's okay. If we have patience, if we seek inspired guidance, if we do our best to respond to the guidance found in Scripture, in modern-day revelation from our prophets, through blessings and personal prayer, as Jesus would have responded, if we try to respond as he would have responded, everything can help us grow and learn and become a little bit closer to our eternal goal to be like him. If the babe in Bethlehem really was who he said he was, Everything he created, and mostly he himself, is awesome. We can experience joy and peace and radiate goodwill in the midst of the darkest experiences on earth, knowing that God loves us. He will not abandon us. He does not judge us by our outer looks or achievements, but looks upon our hearts. With humility, hope, trust, hard work, and then the abundant grace of God, We each can make our hearts worthy of him. We each have been given what it takes to do the best we can. He knows us. He knows our strengths and limitations. He loves us. He wants us to be happy and to succeed. He will help us to experience the awesomeness of everything as we open our heart's door to him and invite him into our lives. Now, I just want to say thank you for those who have shared these hours with us over this year as we've studied the New Testament. We are really grateful to each and every one of you individually and collectively. Um, And we are aware of your awesomeness. Thank you so much. Oh, that was so beautiful. It came to me. It wasn't me. Well, it is, you know, I think that your words just kind of encapsulate our own feelings about this awesome event that, that we celebrate at Christmas time. Well, Christine, I know that, that you are also going to talk about the mission of the Savior. Right. And um, I was reminded as we celebrate the birth of Christ and it's his birthday, we have a family tradition that we've had ever since we were young mm-hmm. where on your birthday, my mother would tell your birth story, how you came into <laughs> the world. Right. Some of them were much better than others. You had the pineapple story. You remember when she was yeah. put under... General anesthesia and coming out, she thought that she was a pineapple, not a, a baby. I know. And mine, she was also put under general anesthesia, and she woke up, and there was nobody there, and 
you know, she was a mess. And then they made me leave the hospital early because she had uh, childbed fever and they didn't want anyone to know. So we both had wacky um, birth stories. But but Christ himself had a, a difficult birth story. But then we don't just celebrate the birth with a family of 12 growing up. We went around the table and everybody had to tell a memory of that person during their lifetime. So you get a review of their entire life on their birthday. And that is, I think, how we should celebrate Christmas. Rather than just stopping, I mean, with our nativity play, and we also always do the nativity play. Do you have costumes? Do you do that? We do. We do. With all the grandchildren. We did it with all of our children. We revamped them this year, so they're a little bit better than they've been in the past. But our boys keep on getting bigger, and and we need more costumes as we want more grandchildren. Lots of robes, lots of towels, I had to get more big ones and more little ones, and all the middle ones have lost their meaning, so... It, it has been an interesting process. So I guess what I wanted to do as we were um, going through, I did want to review both his birth story and then the other things. And um, I love that uh, Gordon B. Hinckley said, the babe Jesus of Bethlehem would be but another baby without the redeeming Christ of Gethsemane and Calvary and the triumphant fact of the resurrection. And so it was the fact that he was our savior that makes his story so impressive. And it starts not at his birth, but starts all the way back with a pre-mortal Christ at the great council in heaven where two came forward. One chose to be the savior and one wanted to steal the honor of the father. And so Christ selflessly volunteered um, and the response to him volunteering was not a great shout of joy it was a war. Right. <laughs> you think about that. And you know how we talk about how we think things will turn out? He stands up and says, I will suffer for your sins. And everyone's fighting. Yeah. So <laughs> a third of the hosts of heaven. That's so good to love. remember as moms, right? I know. But that, that is such a family thing. Right. right? That's Christmas, that's we think it's going to be so great. And it's yeah. not. <laughs> right. Or what happens all but, the time. But it, there was purpose <laughs> in that because it was the beginning of whether people chose to follow Christ and accept him. And we, because we're here, chose to follow him and accept him. And that is a question we get to ask over and over again through our life. And so, oh, go ahead. Do, yeah. yeah, it's absolutely true. I love this. Um, Bonnie Corden recently said, Sisters, remember, in our premortal life, we stood with the Savior. We trusted him. We voiced our support, enthusiasm, and joy for the plan of happiness set forth by our Heavenly Father. We fought with our testimonies and aligned ourselves with the forces of God, and those forces were victorious. This battle between good and evil has moved to earth. Once again, we have the sacred responsibility to stand as a witness and put our trust in the Lord. And the key is that one way that we align ourselves with the Lord is doing what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. is to restudy who he is, how he became, and what pieces he taught while he was on the earth. And so it's return to the scriptures and strengthen our understanding of Christ and understanding that mortal Messiah. It helps us better to understand his resurrection and his atonement. And as we, when we were, when we were talking about James, as we understand and then put the pedal to the metal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. that. We know it's by grace. We know that we can't do enough ourselves. Mm-hmm. We know we are deeply dependent on that blood sacrifice of our Savior for us. And yet, it's a question of doing it, mm-hmm. studying it. But we can't do it quite right if we don't study it enough, right? Absolutely. And that's but where... that's a doing too, right? Yes. And studying I think that, yeah, that studying is doing... But um, I do think it's interesting when you look at Christ through the Old Testament, and you mentioned that he's the Jehovah of the Old Testament. But in addition to that, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy of Christ comes through the Old Testament. So Isaiah said, a virgin shall conceive. Micah said, out of Bethlehem, he shall come forth. Jeremiah said, Rachel will not be comforted, which always makes me cry. Habakkuk, that he will go forth and teach salvation to his people. And all of these things came true and more. And so it's so cool to see that prophecy fulfilled in Christ. Um, 
that he was born in Bethlehem. That tragedy followed after, and his words do bring salvation even today. And then I was telling you before how he established the foundation of the fulfillment of the law, the foundation with apostles, prophets, the priesthood, and then it was swept from the earth. And I thought of, have you ever been to Far West? No. So at Far West, Joseph Smith knew there was going to be a temple built there for the last days, but he had a lot of persecution. And so in the middle of the night, he and his other leaders, yeah, the apostles apostles. set the four cornerstones of the temple Mm -hmm. and then were forced to leave. And that temple has never been built. So you can go see those cornerstones today, but the temple has not been built. And I feel like that is the New Testament, that Christ built the foundation cornerstones. He showed those pieces. Before he went to Gethsemane, Mm -hmm. he established the sacrament. And it was the last, sorry, (laughs) it's going to make me cry. But that last piece that was for us before he actually went and he explained the what the sacrament was. Right. I know when he, he put was celebrating everything. the Passover, which of course had been in place for a right. long time. But this thing about Far West is so interesting because, and you know, you know me with my Judaic perspective. Mm-hmm. But in eighteen, I mean, you have to imagine this: the church was the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints was a little organization that was struggling to just stay, I mean, they, I mean, they were moving west, they were, but this is 1849. Um, Joseph Smith sent two apostles to Palestine, to Israel, Mm -hmm. to dedicate Mm -hmm. that land for the reestablishment of the gathering of the Jewish people in Israel. Right, absolutely. At that point, I mean, um, Oh my goodness! My brain is going. The the Hungarian Austro-Hungarian newspaper man who was sort of at the foundation of of this move to return to Israel had just sort of gained this. No, he was not even. He didn't even. He wasn't doing his thing yet. You know, Zionism, the return to Israel, had not begun yet, and he sent them there. And there is a stone there too, mm-hmm. saying this is yes. the spot where this prayer was said. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an amazing thing. Right. Oh, definitely. And he's together. bringing together, just like you were saying, he is bringing together the old and the new. Right. I mean, that's the whole point. And that's the whole point of... of um, but I guess I wanted to go through Christ's sacrifice. He laid those foundations before he committed the sacrifice so it would be ready for us mm-hmm. then to pick up. And then, of course, he had his great sacrifice. Um, it is interesting to think, and we know the great story of Gethsemane and um, how he took on all the sins of the world. And that's how he went and suffered below all things and he can understand what we deal with. But sometimes it's hard to comprehend how that really worked and how he could have suffered for us without us doing anything, which isn't true because we also have to repent to touch, like get in touch with the Savior for it to to count. But I do love this, that Gordon B. Hinckley said, that was a vicarious, oh, it's going to make me cry now, that was a vicarious work. And we understand vicarious vicarious work. He says, I think that vicarious work for the dead most nearly approaches the vicarious sacrifice of the Savior himself than than any other work I know of. It is given with love, with hope of compensation or repayment, oh, without hope of compensation or repayment of any kind. What a glorious principle. And I love that Paul later said after Christ that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And that is the place that Christ has been to lead us then back to our Father in heaven. And it is so beautiful. It's a privilege It is the opportunity and the obligation of every Latter-day Saint to gain for herself a certain knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Redeemer of all mankind, and that testimony is the most precious thing we can hold. And so I just pray that this Christmas, each one of us renew our understanding of who Christ was, that he was the God of the Old Testament, that he 
laid the foundations for his entire restored church so when it was brought in its fullness, we could have that understanding and then we can share all those covenants that weren't available with those others. Just the last little thing I wanted to share. the great redeemer. Oh, the great redeemer for all mankind. That's what I was saying. And then everyone has the opportunity to be connected to that. Mm -hmm. Um, D. Todd Christofferson said, um, it matters tremendously what we do in relation to those who have gone before. And this is about sharing this work and this love with those that have not had the opportunities we've had to understand the fullness because they live those people that have passed as spirits today and to live again as immortal souls. And that is because of Jesus. We believe his words when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live by the baptisms and ordinances we perform on behalf of the dead. We testify that as in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's one of the reasons why when we talk about Christmas, we sing Hosanna and Hallelujah and these one, wonderful words of praise and happiness. You know, as I hear these stories of your own lives where you've had loved ones who have passed on and the joy and the hope that comes because of this baby that was born and Easter. Well, uh, we have been studying Revelation, and so I did want to kind of bring it to that study as well because this idea of Hosanna and Hallelujah is taught a lot in the book of Revelation. So when we talk about Hosanna, first it's important to understand what these words mean. Hosanna comes from the Old Testament, and it means it's actually from Psalm 118.25, and it says, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee. Send now prosperity. So I love that because it's a chiasmus. You have, Save now, I beseech thee. O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee. And then coming down, Send now prosperity, which is interesting because it is equated to the Save now. Mm-hmm. And so as I as I was thinking about that, save us now, I wanted to read here in, this is Revelation chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 9 and 10, because this same psalm, this same song is also taught here in Revelation. And this is, this is actually talking about um, his, what he beheld. He said, and this I beheld. And lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now, what does that sound like that he's It sounds like the triumphal entry. It sounds like the triumphal entry. Yes. And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Now realize salvation to our God is Hosanna. You know, that's what they were saying. Hosanna. The, the Messiah, the music mm-hmm. in the back of oh, it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> the the next one that I wanted to read actually is in Revelations 19. And this is Revelations 19. We're going to hear Alleluia, Hallelujah multiple times in this chapter. Because this is the second coming. This is when the Lord is the King of Kings. And so uh, I'm reading 1, 3, 6, 7, and 8 of chapter 19. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. And again, they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. Now, the smoke is also a symbol of the prayers, the prayers right. of the saints going the incense up. Incense from the temple. Exactly. And verse 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And I love all of these verses that we're reading. talks about a multitude. It's not just a single voice, but it is like all of humanity finally saying, Hosanna, hallelujah. And as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife. And who is his wife? 
The Who church. is the bride? The church, exactly. The church hath made herself ready. And so that is our responsibility in preparation for the second coming. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. I do love um, the voice of many waters. And if we lived in Dallas for a time, and there's a water garden, and the water goes all around you, and when you're standing in the middle of the water garden, they say it drowns out every other sound. And that's the beauty of rushing waters. And so if you think that the 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 joy of the saints drowns out every everything, other like sound, everything else around you. Don't you I love that. that. I love it. And I, love that. I, I have a little story. So when before Charity got her first transplant, I was very it happened very suddenly. And the night before I went into my room, I looked up to the ceiling to my husband. I said, I can't believe this is gonna happen. I only knew two young women who had a transplant. They both died. And I said, um, I can't believe I'm, we're going to go through this without you. And and I said, I can't believe Jerry's going to die, you know, because, but I was very worried, and I knew she was worried about many things, but that was certainly one. And um, I felt my husband as if he were there mm-hmm. talking to me. No, and I and he said, dying is not so bad. That's the first thing he said. I said, oh. that's what he said. And he said, and he, did, he said it, you know, and I said, well, I know, I know you've told me that. He said, honey, it's pretty fantastic, you know. And then, and then, <laughs> uh-huh. and then he said, and I said, and then, so he, he, this, and I said, yeah, but you know, Charity's voice, she has that beautiful voice, and really, she's just gotten it trained, and she's having these opportunities. She hasn't been able to share it. And he says, there are lots of opportunities to share a beautiful voice here. Have you heard of the choir of angels? <laughs> he said the music of the spheres. He said it's a real thing and it's amazing. Oh. And and he said he'll, she'll definitely qualify. And I'm like, okay, thanks. And then he said, but honey, she's not going to die. And that was that interaction. And this just talking about this reminds me of this, because I never thought, you know, choir of angels, that that in fact there are choirs. Not everybody may be in the choir, (laughs) you know, but they are spectacular and it's a real thing. Well, and I just love this talk by Garrett W. Gong where he talked specifically about Hosanna and hallelujah. I mean, that was the, the topic of his uh, talk. And he goes on to talk about how there are two types of restoration that happened. And, and I'm also putting together Christmas with Easter. He says, first, resurrection includes physical restoration of our proper and perfect frame. Every limb and joint, every hair of the head shall not be lost. This promise gives hope to those who have lost limbs, those who have lost ability to see, hear, or walk, or those thought lost to relentless disease, mental illness, or other diminished capacity. He finds us. He makes us whole. A second promise of Easter and the Lord's Atonement is that spiritually, all things shall be restored to their proper order. This spiritual restoration reflects our works and desires. Like bread upon the water, it restores that which is good, righteous, just, and merciful. No wonder the prophet Alma uses the word restore 22 times as he urges us to deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. That restores us to that righteous state when we were with God when we were with God the Father and also our brother Jesus Christ. That is the reason why we sing Hosanna, hallelujah, during Christmas time. The second thing that I wanted to also talk about were the symbols of Christmas. And I think it's interesting if you see a lot of, I mean, there's, what are some of the symbols that you have in your families? For Christmas, I mean, we have the tree, we have all, you know, the presents. Advent, but what other? We do the Advent rethink oftentimes, which is, you know, the coming that period before the celebration of Christmas. We want to make the most of it, and with the lights, the candles, and that is a lovely thing to anticipate this moment of great celebration too. That's true. Do you have symbols well, that you use in your home? 
there's so many symbols. I mean, there's like the candy cane, there's the presents, there's, but there's all those externals, but um, they are symbols. it is interesting because, and the wreath itself, you know, that everyone puts on their door, the evergreen. Sure. So whether it's, you know, the wreath, the holly and the berries, right. and I keep on thinking of that song. So there's so many symbols throughout that we see all around us. You know, I think we can say this because I don't think little children are watching. But I do believe that Santa is one of the greatest symbols of Christmas. He asks for nothing in return. He comes and he abundantly leaves beautiful, wonderful things that he and he somehow knows what, what we want. will bring us joy. <laughs> and I cute. do believe that that selfless giving with no expectation that we're going to, we sometimes leave him some cookies, you know, so he has a little nourishment. But I do think it is one very wonderful symbol of the way that the Lord actually is going to meet us because it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow. You may have to wait for your Christmas. <laughs> but I loved... Um, and he I, comes as a thief in the night. As, he, he does. As a thief he does. in the night. And what Sister Holland, and actually they're in a different way, Matthew Holland both said that no matter... What you have suffered, no matter what you have endured, he, the Lord is aware of that, and you will be met with an equal and opposite kind of joy and deliverance of things that you couldn't even have anticipated, you may have wanted, but you never articulated, that the Savior knows that, and He, you will have that restoration. That's absolutely true. And that is interesting because one thing that we've taught our children from the time they were very little is the idea of the spirit of Santa Claus, which is the concept of charity. Right. And that you can be Santa Claus when you give without expecting something back. And that is the giving of Christ. So there's no surprise. They love that. And That's it makes right. them feel and learn more about Christ through this giving. I, the, I, so. One more little tradition that we've had. We always have a big, we have had last because of pandemic we didn't but mm -hmm. on the on the twenty the night before the night before christmas in at our home which is a very it's a it's a fun home in this neighborhood because it's an old home that's been designed by some of you know and people always sort of want to come in oh, and fine. we invite everybody excuse me everyone in our neighborhood i invite people i meet we invite everyone to this sometimes there are hundreds of people there but um we ask them we say you can still come if you can't but to bring something for either one of the homes that has families or children in need or um, coats for the homeless. or So we end up on the night before the night having a lot of things that need to be packaged and distributed and taken. And my children, usually my husband, because I was doing, but oftentimes as they grew older, the children did that. And it I'm brought beautiful. them so much joy. They realized that probably some of their sweetest memories of Christmas we're delivering this oh, abundance of wonderful that things. That is so oh, sweet. I love that. Well, another symbol of, well, and it's not of Christmas, it's a symbol of Christianity, and that is the symbol of the cross. Mm -hmm. And and I think sometimes, too, we do see a lot of crosses during Christmas time. And I was so struck by Elder Holland's beautiful talk that happened um, a, you know, a year ago about lifted up upon the cross because he kind of helps us put this into perspective when we talk about symbols of Christ, that we make sure that we have the right understanding of these symbols. He says, in every land and age, he has said to us all, if any man or woman will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This speaks of the crosses we bear rather than the ones we wear. To be a follower of Christ, one must sometimes carry a burden, your own or someone else's, and go where sacrifice is required, and suffering is inevitable. A true Christian cannot follow the master only in those matters with which he or she agrees. No, we follow him everywhere, including, if necessary, into arenas filled with tears and trouble, where sometimes we may stand very much alone, this day I bear apostolic witness of him who was lifted up and of the eternal blessings he bestows to those lifted up with him, even the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I I love that because of this idea, this one little point where he says, this speaks of the crosses we bear rather than the ones we wear. And as I was thinking about all of these symbols of Christmas, I also thought about how many we have them around our house. We have them on our doors. We have them, you know, spread all over. These symbols are almost always a part of the celebration of Christmas. Do we wear them outside or inside? You know, do we really make them a part of who we are during Christmas time and going forward, not just at Christmas time? You know, it's amazing to see how much more money is given to the poor during Christmas time and how much more gifts are given to those in need. And shouldn't that be all year round? Shouldn't that be something we do? One of my sons, the first one said, you know, I remember Christmas, they were, they were in Hungary and it was, you know, they were just busy doing the work that good missionaries do. And he said, well, we don't do that much on Christmas because every day is Christmas for us here. Mm -hmm. you know? Which is wonderful. Yeah. And actually, that's what I wanted to talk about, too, kind of concluding our time together. We believe in a living Christ. You know, that is whom we worship. And so because of that, I uh, really was struck with the living Christ, the testimony of the apostles. And, and I just want you to know I'm making a commitment you know, we, we taped this before Christmas, but something I'm going, my, my dream, my hope, my goal is that I will have the living Christ memorized by Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so I, for me, as I was rereading and studying it in preparation for today, I thought this is, this should be all of our mantras. This should be something, the living Christ should be a part of our daily lives. So what I wanted to do was just take the last five sentences of the living Christ and talk about how these points can bless us today, right now, in our lives, in our families, in everything we do. So the first, first sentence is, we bear testimony as his duly ordained apostles that Jesus is the Christ, the immortal Son of God. So how can that knowledge bless us today in our lives? That's what I said, everything. You know, I mean, that is an awesome piece of truth, right? And understanding that, understanding that God, the creator, cared to come to earth and show us the path. And then, and then how did he seal this? By accepting shame, because in fact, in the in the Jewish New Testament, they say he died on the stake, um, because that was a very wretched death in in that world. It was considered the lowest of the low death. He accepted the shame of the cross. He accepted the pain as a human being. He accepted the re all of that, and he is and he did that to bless us with the opportunity to be forgiven for our sins, to pay for that in a way we couldn't. I mean, it should make us much more generous, much more willing to forgive, much more willing to give our all for others as we understand that gift. So, Christine, here's the second sentence, and, and I would love to hear what you thought. He is the great Emmanuel, which means God with us, who stands today on the right hand of his father. How can that knowledge bless us today? Well, I love that because, and, I, and I've probably told the story before, but it's coming out again. Mm -hmm. um, no, but when we were waiting for our father to pass, and um, we have family that was struggling with what they believed and was saying, well, how do you know, or this isn't true, or this isn't true. And it was that fact that he's still living today, that he still gives us answers, that he's still with us. And I said, you know, you can talk about details that may not make sense, but that doesn't change that when I kneel down, yes. I can hear his voice. Because when the Spirit speaks to you, he's speaking the words of Christ. That's right. So when you see him again, he's not going to be different than that voice in your head. Those are his words. And it will just be the body of what you already know. And that's why I said to the other day, I was teaching Institute for a friend. And um, 
I said, and, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. So now you can look at me like I'm crazy. No. But I said, when we study the New Testament, it's kind of like you're studying your parents' childhood because a lot of it may seem far away or different. Like when your parents tell about when they grew up yeah. or how yeah, things I were different. Long ago, right. <laughs> and then remember that the Savior is the one who answers your prayers. Mm -hmm. That every prayer is in the name of Jesus Christ. He's listening and bringing his words to answer. And he allows, like when Timber came to you, that was because of Christ. And that was by Christ. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's that living Christ that makes me love the gospel and love the sacrifice and give whatever to be part of it. If, you, if you've experienced it, you know it, and Absolutely. you're not going to trade it for anything else not anything. ever. It's beautiful. And the, the next one, he is the light, the life, and the hope of the world. I mean, I think all of the stories that we've said today kind of talk about that. The next one is his way is the path that leads to happiness in this life and eternal life in the world to come. Do you have some thoughts on that one? A lot of Mine thoughts. is worse oh. than yours. Okay, okay. Uh, you, want, you want bad you news start the Bad news. Bad news first. You go first, Chris. But I listen to that. And his happiness is like eating no chocolate. Like, honestly, <laughs> so much of his attitude is brock. I mean, his path is broccoli. It's that long-term joy. It's the hard work, but it's going to pay off in the end. But there is it's a delay the to the joy. <laughs> and so it's hard because when you're surrounded by other things, you think, oh, this would be nice or this would be fun. Or you still do things you know aren't the best choice, but you really enjoy them. There, It's hard because you're like that path is the path to happiness, but it's also uphill all the way. It really is. And the downhill path isn't. So even though it's the path to happiness, it's a hard path to walk. And don't pretend it's not. And that's why when I read things like that, I'm like, that's true. But it is a hard path to walk it for is, some of us. But, well, but no, no, no. I'm, it, it, Chris, I mean, Christine, you know, I mean, look at my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> look at my life. Not, not, not all, you know, sunshine and roses. Right. Really, because the things that matter, I mean, I have many things that matter, but the thing, I, let's just start with my husband or my I baby know. or my, you I know, know. I mean, and the, this is what I want to say from having a life with where I think there were genuinely, my parents came out of the Holocaust. So we, our whole attitude was like, nothing's bad. Somebody dies, yeah, but they aren't trying to kill everyone. You know, I mean, right. that we have this very different template that sure. we put over <laughs> everything to judge it. But I can say, having lived a life where the things that, the people that mattered, some of the people who mattered most to me, because all the children who are here matter of course, infinitely to me and as do others, mm -hmm. have been taken that it is the path to happiness, that mm -hmm. embracing without reservation the promises, saying they are true, it is true. He is who he That's exactly absolutely right. true. Will bring, right. brings me happiness. It right. brings me peace. And on a micro level, when I'm in invo involved in a situation where somebody's done something where I'm like, no, it's not okay. And that, mm -hmm. like, if I choose to follow the Savior, if I choose to say, I am blessed, it doesn't matter. I don't need that. I need the connection with God that will bless me with peace. That's true. The cost is worth the price. It and, absolutely it is. is. And, it, and the long-term joy. I And I do have to say that. And us being a little older when we were in the thick of things, and then now you look back and, and that idea of casting your bread on the water yes. and it coming back to you. Yes. It's it worth just, it. It we, does. It's worth it is it. so worth it. But I'm just saying Old that in the process, <laughs> it, it is an uphill climb, and you have to have faith and hope I agree. in that happiness. But when you read it, I was like, it's it's a harder it's a hike it's not a walk. I think it's not a supposed to remain uphill for our you know even though you're right that at certain uh. junctures like right now. Well, but do you know me well enough to know I love going downhill <laughs> on a bike as fast as I can? That sounds really fun. <laughs> but but I think I do think that. We do have experiences as we get older oh, that true. are where we feel the bread, where we feel the good that we sent out. Where come we back. Feel that happiness. We feel that, I agree. and that nourishes us. The bread—it it is literally bread on the waters that comes back right. and nourishes us. 
we need the strength because guess what? We're still hiking. Going up. I and, agree. And, and it's hiking. eternal. Yeah. It's, it's not going to. I think this idea of what's life going to be like after this life. It's going to be the same. It's going to be the same. What we do now. And, and so I think sometimes when we talk about, okay, phew, I can't. I, I do not see us on a cloud, you know, harping or if you know what i'm saying cloud harping in the wrong or... kingdom <laughs> but i am so exactly grateful. christine i am so grateful for your perspectives because i know from my own children since i don't watch us too much we do this and then i'm you know doing mm -hmm. but my some, the children do and they they really appreciate christine's perspective <laughs> they do they do they tell me they love it because oh. they feel like you speak to them you well. know, they, and and i am grateful for that you know <laughs> it's because i'm immature yeah <laughs> Well, and no, then they aren't immature. They're, you know, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so that. the final sentence for me is is probably the most beautiful, in that it's God be thanked for the matchless gift of His divine Son. Wow. And for me, that's the essence of what we're talking about. We we that's talk true. a lot about the Savior Jesus Christ, which is the essence of the New Testament. But you know what else is the essence of the New Testament and Christmas? It's the fact that our Father, our Heavenly Father, allowed this to happen. Oh, my goodness. And how much of Thanksgiving is filled with gratitude? Mm -hmm. That is what I want to add. Because we have Thanksgiving before, but then Christmas sometimes isn't filled with gratitude. Right. And if we, if we springboard the one holiday to the other where it's a day of thanksgiving yeah. is such a beautiful idea because that is the key yeah. that we truly are grateful that we have this gift and this opportunity bigger than any gift we've been given well i did want to end with a thought from our wonderful president nelson like i said i thought for me as we prepare for christmas i keep on thinking about what happened last easter we had this wonderful push and this realization that, you know, the celebration of Easter really is in preparation for, I mean, well, and both, vice versa, that the Easter and Christmas have to be celebrated together, that we can't celebrate one without celebrating the other and vice versa. And so uh, President Nelson, when he was talking about this, and I love the name of his talk, the answer is always Jesus Christ. Oh. He said that Easter is the most important religious observance for followers of Jesus Christ. The main reason we celebrate Christmas is because of Easter. Whatever questions or problems you have, the answer is always found in the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. And for me, I'm hoping that all of us, as we think about our Christmas celebrations, will remember that the answer is always Jesus Christ. So thank you for your testimonies that you bore today. Thank you. Of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank you for watching Women Read Scripture. We hope to hear from you. Please write your comments below. Also, subscribe to our channel. We hope to see you again.